I am Ben Doc Askins, the psychedelic science war storyteller, and this is the Anti-Hero's Journey Podcast. Hey everybody, Doc here. If you're enjoying the podcast and you want it to be possible for me to continue to make it, then I'm going to need you to go to my store at antiheroesjourney.com and buy my audiobook and my ebook in one of the many translations available, or go to shop and pick out some of my stuff t shirts and hats and pet bandanas and bikinis and scented candles and all sorts of nonsense, all the things you could ever want and never need. And get 10% off with the code, all caps, FRIEND10. Go to antiheroesjourney.com and use the code, all caps, FRIEND10 to get 10% off anything that you could ever want there. I appreciate your support. Thank you. I love you. Goodbye. I got a treat for you, anti-heroes out there. This is Doc Askins here with you, and I'm bringing the trauma daddy himself, the man, the myth, the legend, St. Andrew D. Fisher, M.D., P.A., E-M-T-P. He puts the D in T-triple-C. He's had 93 peer-reviewed articles published, which is ridiculous because the man is peerless and fearless. He's a ranger. He's a lover and a fighter, a trauma surgeon, and my new best friend, Andrew Fisher. How are you, my friend? (laughs) I'm good. Uh, there's a couple of lies in there, though. I need to correct that shit. Yeah, yeah. Drop some knowledge on me. What was untruest? Untruest? I'm not a trauma surgeon. Oh. I'm a surgery resident. A surgery resident. These are yeah. massive differences. Distinctions Matthew, with differences. It's, uh, yeah. It's the biggest difference between me and success. <laughs> How do we define success for someone who walks on water? Uh I, I sink like a freaking rock. <laughs> and I just kind of let it roll. I'll be like, I don't know, I'll just hang out here on the bottom of the ocean. Anyway, yeah. no, so I'm a surgery resident, still in training. I am a PGY4, though. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So I have made it thus far without being fired and still dodging bullets. <laughs> oh, I'm no longer a paramedic, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of one of those things whenever I got my text one, I used to be a paramedic. But then whenever I moved to New Mexico, I was like, what's the point of me having a Texas paramedic license if I don't long, if I no longer live in Texas? So I did drop that, but I still do love pre-hospital care and still would like to maintain my paramedic or at least uh, get it back someday. Still Maybe. a PA, still an MD, still peerless. I, yeah. <laughs> Very kind of you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. very humbled. It's my pleasure. Uh, yes. Uh, it's very good to have you. Yes. So this is one of our Q5 podcasts where I just ask five yep. of my favorite questions to ask some of my ketamine-assisted therapy patients in preparation for some medicine sessions. I appreciate uh, the ketamine, by the way. Yeah. You've done quite a bit of work in ketamine research that's kind of revolutionized care at point of wounding in the military, among other places. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you, your administration in ketamine. 
I'm doing my best to try to. What our audience isn't aware of is that you know I mailed Andrew some ketamine trophies before we started the podcast here as a way of just conducting some ketamine assisted therapy loud and out loud. Well, yeah, I guess we did chat for like 30 minutes before we started just to uh, loosen things up. So we, yeah. we made a few jokes and just had a few laughs. And anyway, yeah, all right. You guys missed the best part of the podcast, but we're going to make <laughs> we're going to make up for it here in just a minute for sure. Uh, hopefully. So this is going to be the worst podcast ever. I'm, I apologize to anyone listening right now. This is this is what I want you to do. We're not even going to swing for the fences. You're just going to bunt and everybody knows it and it'll be good. It'll be good after that. <laughs> I'm giving you the signal. Bunt. All right. All right. So question number one is the big one. What yeah. is yeah. your story? Let me pull up my bio and just read a verbatim. No. <laughs> we don't have time. It, it's <laughs> for your 26-page yeah, CV that you sent me ahead of this thing. I was just for trying to provide you with a little bit of background. Everybody knows who you are, bro. That's very kind. It's very convoluted. I enlisted in the Army after being a terrible failure at being a human back in the early 90s when I was a young man, and I was an infantryman. My recruiter thought that I should be a cook, clearly because recruiters have their goals that they have to meet. I'm like, but I was like... The combat spoon should not be, be disrespected. I just thought everyone was supposed to be infantry, so I was like, no, yeah. it's going to be infantry. So I did that, but my friend had bet me. I've told the stories on, to many people that I joined the Army off of a bet, and me and my friend, who we weren't bad people, we just weren't very good people. I've heard worse and reasons just, for joining the Army, yeah, for sure. Yeah. We're just like, hey, man, I bet you won't join the Army and become a ranger. I was like... Oh, I bet you won't join the Army and become a ranger. Well, I guess Hold my beer. Who, yeah, I guess the only person who did follow through. But it was the best decision I ever made. And, yeah, so I, I was an infantryman in the 1st Range Battalion, an Alpha Company, and two Alpha. And then they were like, hey, we're going to send you an EMT course. And I was like, I have no idea what, what the hell that is. What the fuck are you talking about? And then they sent me, and I was like, man, medicine's kind of cool. And I uh, decided that at the time, as we were talking offline, it was like, you know, Dr. Donovan was, you know, the PA for First Range Battalion at the time. And he's such a, one of the most amazing men that I've ever encountered. And certainly has been a huge driving force in, I think, so many Rangers' lives. He was like, hey, when you guys get out, you should take that EMT certification that you have and use it while you maybe go to college. So I got out and I was like, man, working in pre-hospital medicine is pretty cool. Been so in college I did that ever and, since, huh? Yeah, man. I'd be AMT, then I was paramedic up at the old Whiz Kids in Indianapolis at Wishard. And after that, I was like, well, I ran out of college money. Might as well go to PA school now. And then after yeah, what, becoming a PA. What was that chapter yeah. like? I want to hear about IPAP for you. You and I are both IPAP alumni. Yeah. We didn't talk about that. I'm curious about what it was like 10 years before I got there. 15 years, I think. 50? 50, yeah, 50, 50 <laughs> years before you got 50, there. That's how old I am. Are you saying Pan uh, or Pam? Uh, man, that's a good reference. Actually, that, so that movie came out while I was in PA school. That's how old yes, I am. Yes, yes. Yeah. Nailed it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah, what was it like? Uh, you know, it was a lot of fun. I had a great time. Well, at least during phase one. Man, what a fantastic time of life to be in San Antonio. It was like 2004, 2005, before I went to phase two. 
great class, great classmates. I don't know. I had a lot of fun. Let's just say that. I had a lot of fun. Nice. And I got to know a lot of parts of San Antonio and... The famous Riverwalk. No, I was actually trying to stay away from that as much as possible. <laughs> but man, there's so many great places to go in San Antonio outside the Riverwalk, right? Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, man. We always go out every weekend, have a great time. Stud- uh, yeah, we studied and you know did what we needed to do to, to get by. Where'd you go for I phase not- two? <sighs> there's nothing against where I went. I think it was the timing of where I went. So back in 2004, 2005... The DOD was still deploying entire divisions, right? So it was shortly after that that they did just brigades at a time. So I was like, I really like Savannah because that's where I used to be, right, when, when I was in Range Battalion. So I was like, well, I just, I'll just go to Fort Stewart and win Army Hospital. Who knew, well, everyone knew except me who didn't do the actual research, that the entire freaking division was deployed. Dude, like, <laughs> clinics were shut down. It's just a ghost town. It was a ghost town on Fort Stewart for the entire year I was there. Yeah, I just saved my phase two. Zero procedures performed in phase two. <laughs> right? It's like, um, excuse me, you're missing some procedures. It was just, it wasn't that much fun. I didn't have nearly as great of a learning experience. But that's just the way it goes, you know. I mean, someone had to go there. I mean, what the hell? I was class leader. I could have chosen wherever I wanted to go. I chose Coach Stewart. Wrote your own ticket to a ghost town. I mean, that should give you indication of my ability to make uh, quality decisions. <laughs> what was the next chapter? What was it like being an Army PA? I'll tell you that being an Army PA, I don't think there's anything like it. I think that probably specifically within, I think, the special operations community, there are some unique opportunities that present themselves that you are able to take advantage of. I wouldn't give up anything I did during the 10 years I was an Army PA. Yeah. Um, Even though I chose to go to medical school eventually, yeah. If if you could pick out, like, the highest highlight of your time as a Ranger PA, do you think? The medics... That I was able to, I think, oversee and supervise and, at times, mentor. I think seeing them do some pretty fucking amazing things is probably the highlight. Seeing what they fucking do is awesome. Yeah. They've gone on to do everything. There's so many of them. And just having keep the opportunity to kind of see them gross. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. You know, if you look at throughout my career... I progressed from the battalion PA at 75th range, or 1st battalion, and I became the regimental PA RHQ, and it was the STB PA also. I mean, it's hundreds, hundreds of, maybe you know, thousand medics that I've encountered over the course of the years. Dude, yeah, I think they called that, what, the force multiplier effect back in Vietnam with the advisors. You, you know, yeah. one trains yeah. a bunch to replace them and just spreads yeah. like wildfire from there. Yeah. It's amazing, like just to be able to to just to watch what those people can watch, what those guys can do, and what they've done, and what they continue to do is like, dude, that's pretty badass to just be able to be part of something like that. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, I think you know when you're when you're a little bit older, you know, as a PA, as you know, you're ancient as fuck. The <laughs> ability to kind of maybe you're not going to touch everyone, you're not going to have an impact. Touch everyone, you're not going to have an impact over on everyone, but 
just simply being able to be around them and just get to know people and watch what they can do is probably the biggest highlight I think that people can take from being in the military. No matter, I think no matter what your MOS. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, to hear somebody with your resume and background and the amount of papers and influence that you had on clinical practice guideline development and TCCC and all of those sorts of things, to hear you say that the relationships that you had with the ranger medics that you got to work with was the highest high point there, I think that speaks volumes about who you are and what it means to be a servant leader in the military in the first place. I think that's an amazing story. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. What was after that? Well... I made a very bad decision and <laughs> medical school. <laughs> Tell me about, so we had Stuart and we had Korea, all these great decisions, all um, back to back to back. Yeah. yeah. What made you want to just cross the bridge, like create the bridge and then cross it almost practically from PA to MD there? Dude, you know, it's weird. I think a lot of PAs out there have maybe even thought about or encountered these sort of situations to where like, should I become a physician? You know, what else is there? And, you know, what can I do? The options for the fellowships that you have for a PA in the military, there is surgery, there is emergency medicine. We all know what they are. Well, all the PAs do. But yeah, emergency medicine, ortho, what, public health, or something like education. There's probably five or six opportunities to go and get some sort of doctorate. And I was interested in surgery. And when I got down to it, while the PA, that track, would give you certain training, at the end of the day, you weren't taking people to the operating room. And in my desire was to, I want to identify a patient who needs an operation, take them to the operating room, correct the issue, and then eventually, hopefully, discharge them from the hospital better off than they were. Right. And I think the pathway that PAs have and or APPs in general have to be involved in surgery are fantastic. But it was just something that that I wanted to do something just a little bit different. And you like to uh, cut? Actually, yeah, I just want to cut. It actually is. So is my wife. You know, it's my wife who I you know met back in 2011 after we met and we had talked and talked and you know we finally we got married and she was like. I basically shit or get off the pot. So that was the driving kind of force behind me going to medical school. So it wasn't for her. I probably would have been retired from the army at this point. Okay. As a PA, which is again, nothing wrong with that, but I very happy that, you know, she was like, dude, shut the fuck up and just go to medical school. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like she talked you into it or that she pulled it out of you? She pulled it out of me. Okay. But it was in there for sure. Yeah. 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 You know, when I got out of active duty in 1996, I actually had a desire to become a physician, mostly emergency medicine at that point. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whatever. Life happens. It takes you in different directions. And I ended up being a PA for 10 years, which, again, man, that experience is second to none. And I wouldn't give it up for anything, even though I'm a middle-aged man with... (laughs) balding and gray hairs and as a fourth year surgery. Uh, it's the red badges of courage that we get for living as long as we do. Uh, you know, right. You hang in there long enough. You're guaranteed yeah. to get prostate cancer. <laughs> I, t- I tell people every day, I only do the things I do because I've been around long enough and people just give you things to do. <laughs> it's not because I have any sort of talent whatsoever. It's just like, Jesus Christ, just give him something to do. So he'll shut up. <laughs> hey, can you go boil some water for me? <laughs> you damn straight. I can. <laughs> 
<laughs> can you remove these tumors? Why not? Yeah. So, so uh, it was off. Yeah. It was off to medical school yep. at your uh, wife's behest. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God that she was there, and God, I love her to death, and she still is a three thousand percent supportive of of everything we're that we're doing. And that with Texas A M graduated and matched into general surgery at the uh, University of New Mexico here in Albuquerque. And so here I am, a fourth year surgery resident. Yeah. Man, that's a hell of a story. I will tell you that you know, there's different challenges, different perspectives, different levels of difficulty. And people are like, uh, surgery residents is the hardest thing ever. It's hard. Like learning the amount of information that you need to learn and retain and be able to take care of people appropriately is hard. But combat is also hard. And <laughs> sure. doing everything you need to do from that perspective is equally as challenging, but just on a different sort of perspective. I mean, just doing anything as hard as you can, as well as you can, is going to wind up yeah. being hard, right? Yeah, yeah. So, for the most part, you know, it's not terrible. It's not bad. It's Everyone says surgery residency sucks, and we all say it at some point. You know, earlier when we were just bullshit, and I was like, yeah, surgery sucks. But it's just because, you know, it's like, it's five years every yeah. day of getting up at like four in the morning and not going home till six, seven at night, and you're just working. It's just a skull drag. It's like, it's like, it's basically, it's like being deployed for five years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 I can't even imagine five years of deploying. It's like some WW2 stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're like, it's five years. (laughs) Yeah. I got, I got, you're you're in Afghanistan for like, what, eight years or something like that, right? Oh, God, no. Come on. Let's not exaggerate. I think I'd say the number. What was the number then? I'm like 32, 33 months deployed. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's not that long. Gotcha. Fortunately, our our deployments are pretty short. Our training cycles were hellish. Yeah. You're like, God damn, just please bring the deployment already so I can go over there and relax. Catch my breath here. Right. <laughs> Welcome home, Kandahar. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, look at salsa night in Kandahar. <laughs> That's oh, how man. you know you've entered a non-threatening zone of "quote unquote" combat. Right, it's salsa night it's on the salsa board night. Walk. Yeah, yeah, volleyball. Remember that? That was what 2009, 2010, 11. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh yeah. I don't know. Here I am. I'll just do it. Anyway, <laughs> I, yeah, they had like a guy that because you know back in 2009 the Canadians still own calf. Something about Canadians doing soccer, or not soccer, God damn it, hockey, you know, <laughs> Canadians and their hockey, like they have roller, the roller hockey. We had a squad leader who broke his freaking ankle playing the roller hockey bullshit. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you can't go on missions now because you broke your fucking ankle. Because you played hockey he's, with He's the an awesome dude, but I'm like, oh my God, what the fuck? <laughs> Where are we? <laughs> In a war. Where, why, why is my first casualty from roller hockey? Yeah. Strategic navigators reduced my income tax bill by over 50%. These guys save entrepreneurs anywhere from 40 to 60% on their income taxes. Click the link in the description to schedule a call and see what these guys can do for you. If you enjoy paying as much as possible in taxes, then just ignore everything I just said.
our war stories are weird. They're the weirdest war stories in like the history of warfare, right? Like, oh yeah, Hannibal goes over the Alps and some elephants. Big deal. We got hockey. <laughs> it's a hockey casualty. <laughs> you got to report that up. It's disease and non-battle injury. <laughs> How can I craft this into a purple heart? <laughs> <laughs> Just I'm, tell the story I'm, the right way, right? And everybody gets one. It happens. Oh, man. It happens, right? Man, what an awesome story. No, I'm just not awesome at all. It's just log and drawn out. <laughs> it's a tale of endurance, right? Sh- Shackleton's endurance. <laughs> okay. I'm like a glutton for fucking punishment. I'm just like, what can I sign up for next? Yeah, you're in the right uh, spot, apparently. You know, since you say what's next, that's kind of the second question is ask people about what their intentions are. Like, what are your plans? The story questions about memory and history and where you're coming from and who you are. Yeah. The second question is about like your plans and your dreams and your imagination and what the way that you see things going going forward. Sounds like you give me a cognitive assessment. <laughs> it's much more than cognitive. What? What? What is elephant spelled backwards? What? <laughs> Draw um, me a clock. <laughs> I still love trauma. Still plan. Well, I don't plan. I will apply for a fellowship. Whether I'll match and be able to get into a, a fellowship is still be determined. But yeah, that's the goal is to work in trauma, acute care surgery. You know, I'm still in the military. Where I go from there depends. I think I got to wait till the end of wherever I'm going with this before I kind of make the determination about what I want to do with it. So, you know, yeah, yeah. do I go back on active duty or do I stay, you know, in the guard as I am, or do I go to reserves? I don't know. I don't know yet. Sure. Sure. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. Like beyond the next couple chapters, career wise, looking down the tunnel of time, like an ideal situation for you after, you know, what comes next and fellowships and all of those sorts of things. Like, where do you want to go in life? I like, Academic medicine, and again, trauma care surgery in Texas. So nice. I don't know. Does three things go together? Yeah, like, check the blocks. There's yeah, places to do those things. things in Texas, right? Right, a few places from what I yeah. yeah, yeah, allegedly. Yeah, so you know, we'll see. It's it's really tough to be in a position. Uh, I think either of a medical student or a resident to where you're really dependent on you know things like the match program, which again, continues into fellowship. What happens if I don't match? I don't know. What happens if I do match and I don't match somewhere where I maybe have highly ranked on my list? I'm not sure. I think overall, though, I'll continue working in with probably some sort of combat casualty care in some form or another. Sure. That's why I really love that area of medicine. Really like the idea of what we can do in the pre-hospital setting and what can be fully developed and push as much advanced trauma care to the point of injury as possible. Yeah. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. That's some life-saving stuff for sure. Hopefully. So far it has been. Just keep pushing. We'll see. Do you have any (laughs) evidence of that? Uh, I think you've published quite a a landslide's worth of evidence so far. I'm not sure, uh, sure the evidence is very strong, but yeah, I'll go with it. Thank case you. series Thank after case series after you. case series. Then we do a meta-analysis and we call it evidence. Fantastic. There we go. Just just give it to the mathematicians. They'll figure out the lies, the yeah, damn someone, lies, and the statistics, right? Yeah, yeah. 
So what are you grateful for? That's the third question. I'm grateful for my wife. The fact that she's pushed me to where I am and yeah. continues to support. I'm grateful for, you know, God damn, dude. There are so many amazing people out there who give me opportunities. Frank Butler, John Holcomb, Ted Redmond, on the physician side itself, Russ Cotwall, you know. Oh, yeah. Those are just a couple of physicians that really have always supported me. I mean, God damn, I would actually have to break out a list of people who have kind of, I guess, either done something for me along the lines that just have given me the opportunity. I, you know, I joke that, you know, if you stick around long enough, you know, they'll let you do things. But I think they're, oh, how could I be Ethan Miles? And Ethan Miles is my ranger buddy, and he's been an amazing person all along the way to be able to just kind of, let me do when I was up at regiment, like Ethan would just let me do shit. You know, we developed the Rolo program yeah. and I was like, dude, I think we got this sort of thing. And he was like, yeah, I think we got this sort of thing. And it's, he just like, let me run with shit. That's, that was pretty amazing to have people who like to kind of do things. Yeah. I think I'm grateful, honestly, for the 75th Ranger regiment and kind of the overall way they approach medicine, yeah. which is okay. We trust you. What do you need? And you run with it. Without the leadership, really trusting in the whole medical side of things, I certainly wouldn't have the opportunities I have now. That's another example of that force multiplier effect, right? Because the Rolo program and the way that y'all ran medicine out of the Ranger Regiment just dripped out across all of DOD. Yeah, it certainly continues to be a significant influence in how the entire DOD practices medicine in the pre-hospital setting. Which only trickles out to civilian EMS after that, right? Like, it's a hell of a legacy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It just makes me laugh sometimes is that people, these infantry guys who, you know, are much smarter than I am, and they're just like, yeah, okay, doc, got it. Okay. And there's like there's nothing to it. It's like, yeah, you got it. And they really trust us to just do the right thing. And yeah. thank God that, you know, we're some I guess, you know, they probably figured out on a psych profile if we were not the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you wouldn't have lied. Yeah, definitely wouldn't have lied on that, right? Never ever. But yeah, you try to do the right thing and but they're like, Yeah, go for it. And man, they give you all the support in the fucking world. Yeah. Like, oh, you wanna go you wanna go to Norway for what? Okay. <laughs> For blood transfusion work. <laughs> what are you, a vampire? Okay. All right, send sounds the guy good. on the vampire yeah. orders. Send him. Yeah, sounds, sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. It's so tough to kind of see what you're, I think to kind of really nail down what you're grateful for. Hmm. Here's the thing. I think if you're, you know, I'm not trying to offend anyone, but if you're below 30, probably it's pretty easy to kind of narrow that down. I'm 50 years old and I've, half a fucking century. I mean, there's so many things I've had throughout my life, good and bad. I can't even fucking remotely come close to trying to nail down like what I'm really, really grateful for. I will hundred percent always say, thank God for my wife and having wonderful parents too. So I think it all goes down to kind of that personal close knit familial sort of things that, that at the end of the day, I think most of us probably can appreciate that have made us probably successful. Yeah, it's the team, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So the fourth question is, what are you creating? Havoc and distrust. (laughs) 
chaos and agony. <laughs> I don't fucking know. I don't know. Well, I'm hey, not creating anything, man. Well, talk to me about the what Church the of Evidence-Based Medicine. You are the patron saint of the Church of Evidence-Based Medicine on uh, I am not the, the, anything like the Facebooks, that. right? No, you're I, the trauma I, uh, daddy. You got, bullshit. like, stickers and patches. And, oh, like, dude, what, who doesn't You know, like, pictures, you interact with pictures. medics all over the world through that, like, Facebook page, right? Who Who doesn't have stickers and patches at this point everyone i'm surprised i don't have a t-shirt company because i'm a veteran and that's what we do <laughs> piss off so many people it's my podcast uh, but it's your episode i just want to put that out there yeah, for all of the, the veteran t-shirt companies <laughs> if it wasn't for you guys i'd be naked by. right now <laughs> I have so many of them. It's my whole wardrobe. My wife hates them all, and I love them all. <laughs> she won't go out in public with me without a shirt on, but she hates all of the crazy T-shirts that I've bought down throughout the years. <laughs> oh, shit. No, so, you know, that whole shit started out as just a joke, and it's still is somewhat of a joke. It's not to be taken too seriously. Uh, you know, the real content creators and brains behind everything it, it, it's not me it's john and nick man they they're yeah, the really yeah. the talent and you know it just happens to have my face on it so i don't think i have much influence over it i'm happy to be part of it but it's like at some point it seems like it's just like i don't know it's not to be taken too seriously and i think that's the problem is is people can think it's like, oh, so I'm like, oh, shit, you know, here it is. It's like a joke, but we need to take it seriously. It's like, yeah, you know, do what you want with it, man. If, if you like it, that's cool. If you don't, that's cool. I don't care. Yeah. You know, that's the best part about it, right? I guess, man. Like, it's fun. Just, it's supposed to be fun. And you're learning a ton I, at the same time, too, right? It's like a psyop a little bit. I think, I think a lot of times people will take shit on the internet. Actually, every day I think people take shit on the on the internet way too fucking seriously. It's like just what cares, the fuck man? is the internet? If you don't fucking like it, then just fucking scroll by, man. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. Like, and I think what we do is pretty cool. We produce some pretty awesome literature reviews. Yeah, absolutely. Current. Issues. I've learned a ton being a, a disciple. Yeah. If you like it. Again, fantastic. If you don't, okay, all right, cool, bro. Un unlike it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll be happy to debate you, or you yeah, know, if we don't. If yeah, if we don't agree on something, let's yeah, we can debate it. But goddamn, like people get so fired up about the dumbest shit, and sometimes yep. I just want to kind of almost let things go and be like, okay, I'm done. But I got, like I said, John and Nick are super talented, smart guys who put together some great content and uh, just have it in my face on it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm glad they're doing that. I'm glad you let them stick your uh, ugly mug out there like that, too. You know? Right? <laughs> Listeners, I apologize <laughs> as we digress. Yeah. So last question. Question five. Who are you really? An introvert who is trying not to fail at everything he does. Hmm. Yeah. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. We survived. We Yay! made it through the podcast. I, Q5 is done. Yeah. Check. I, no one can answer that. 
I, I'm, I'm certain certain people could probably answer that question. I can't answer that question. Yeah. I don't have the confidence, I think, to do it in a manner that hmm. would probably represent myself. Okay. No, that's a fair answer. Yeah. I appreciate that authenticity. Cue sad piano music. <laughs> Take my breath away. Wait. Uh, you know, people who are able to answer that shit, good on you, man. Like, I love when people can kind of like just explain themselves. I can't do it. As, yeah. as we talked about, like, I'm such an introvert. I have a yeah. hard time talking about myself, although it's awkward that we've talked about me the entire time. But uh, I've enjoyed it. I bet this gets the most really... downloads of the whole season. You wait. <laughs> you wait won't. and see. It'll be like four thumbs down. They're going to be like, bring Andrew back. Replace Ben with Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> like, did you give him ketamine beforehand? I already told everybody about that. You were, that was That's supposed true. to be That's just true. our little secret. <laughs> I, so I you got any man. final thoughts? Anything else you want to drop know, on us? I mean, I have all sorts of thoughts. Whether they're relevant or actually worthwhile, who the fuck knows? I think combat casualty care is an underrated area for study of medicine. I think combat medics can do an amazing job. I do Amen. think the idea that a combat medic will hold someone for more than a few hours in a situation is ridiculous. Mm. However, they can become experts at saving lives that actually, for those who can be saved in the, that short timeline. And I don't think we train them well. I think the idea that we initially train them to do certain things is important. However, I think our sustainment training for the same medics needs great improvement. I think the idea that if we ever enter into a kind of a large-scale combat operation similar to Korea or World War II, we need to get used to a lot of people dying and being dead. And the idea that people can't die on the battlefield needs to be replaced with the concept of actual triage and people will die. And we just need to accept that. And I think there are many ways we can identify people, those who can be saved and those who cannot. And I don't think we're capitalizing on the opportunity to train people to recognize those differences and save those people who can be saved versus, unfortunately, because that's the nature of war, that people will die. I don't want to end it on a sad note, so I'm not going to leave it there. Because that's a terrible way to end an episode. God damn. <laughs> that's, still, that's still a it's Jesus. a huge like philosophy Ooh. and strategy shift though, right? From the global war on terrorism and asymmetrical warfare to the large scale combat operations. Like exactly what you're saying is exactly what needs to be said and needs to be understood at every level of command. If we're gonna go into that sort of situation, we need to do it with our eyes wide open. So I appreciate you dropping that level yeah. of knowledge on folks, regardless of yeah. whether it's a Debbie Downer or it's something uh, you know yeah. that people can handle. I think yeah. speaking the truth is what's important. Yeah. Now we should leave it on a high note. All right. Um, what do you want to? What do you want to sing? <laughs> I don't know, man. You know, I, you know. I really appreciate. I love coming on a podcast. I, as we talked before, like. If I don't have the questions beforehand, I sound like a, a larger, more impressive dumbass than usual. <laughs> I, yeah, you know, it's fucking tough to come on these things and talk yeah. about yourself. But it's amazing that the you know you guys come out here and do this and give us the opportunity to kind of just fucking talk about anything. Yeah, 
we were talking about you know like shit like back in the day would uh when the uh the television programs with the paramedics and life and trauma in the er yeah 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 we're talking about stories about that and it's just like that's funny shit yeah. i don't know i could t- yeah so my so many war stories tra- i'm gonna tell you i want so i could end it on that funny story of trauma life in the er when i was a wishard paramedic came to wisher to film and they had already followed my roommate at the time a guy named shane hardwick who's still working in indianapolis does a fantastic job they followed him on paramedics i don't know why like this dude is uh love you shane but you're like five foot nothing and a redhead and i'm like i'm like a clearly a very attractive six foot four <laughs> dude <laughs> ranger <laughs> I'm, I'm fucking joking. I'm ugly as fuck. So anyway, so they followed my roommate around, and it was pretty awesome. But then they come in for trauma life in the ER, and they're filming everywhere. It's honestly kind of fucking obnoxious. It's like everywhere I turn is a fucking camera. I'm like, Jesus Christ, people! And I knew that because they were the same producers, same camera, and like. Everything's pretty similar. I'm like, dude, didn't I just fucking see you? Anyways, I'm like, I can't, you know, I'm a paramedic and like, get a, I'm a medic 14. I got a guy with a gunshot wound. This dude shot like seven times. And I'm like, I'm, you know, trying to do my thing. And I'm like, these motherfuckers are going to be filming as soon as I pull into the ambulance bay. I know they are. I'm like, the last thing I want when I'm actually trying to take care of a patient is some fucking light and camera in my face. And he's, yeah, so I pull in, and I'm like, as soon as I open the door, there's a fucking camera. I'm like, motherfucker. <laughs> and I say it as loud as I can because I'm thinking, well, they just won't film me if I cuss. <laughs> and uh, can't, can't put that on national TV. No, you can't put that on, on what is it, whatever. Prime time. Whatever the Discovery, Discovery, Discovery Channel or whatever it was back in the 2000s. Discovery and, uh, TV MA yeah, language. God damn it. Wouldn't you know <laughs> that it actually showed up on the program that me popping out of an ambulance with this guy shot seven times as I take him to the uh, trauma bay. And I was so fucking pissed <laughs> off. I was like, come on, man. Uh, but lo and behold, that man, they will film anything and put it on yeah. TV. Everybody's but, uh, doing it now. I don't know. Looking back now, man, I don't mind. But I was so young and angry back in the day that uh, I was like, I was just like so pissed off that they would show up and like, I get a guy shot and you're like, fucking camera's right there, yeah. like bright light. I'm like, yeah, it's like an insult. Maybe you should ask the patient if they want to be filmed first. Yeah, it's adding that insult to all those injuries, right? Yeah, uh, the injury to my soul. Yeah. Hearing your whole story makes me think of Braveheart. When uh, William Wallace does his whole, like, rousing blue face <laughs> speech or whatever, and then, like, comes back over, and there's the, the mad Irishman or whatever, and he's like, fine speech, now what? And he says, yeah. just be <laughs> yourselves. <laughs> just be yourself, bro. Just be yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. Like, it doesn't matter who the fuck you piss off, or actually it probably does a little bit, but I'm probably proof of that. I don't know, man. Like, go out and do what you want. Do it and do what you think you need to do to be happy. It doesn't matter how fucking old you are, what your experience is, what you, you know, where you are in life. If you want to do something, go out and fucking do it. I don't give a fuck who the fuck you are. Just fucking do something, right? Don't sit there on the fucking, in this fucking high mighty fucking chair and fucking bitch and whine and moan. Either fucking do something or get the fuck out of the way. 
I guess that's my philosophy with life, and I try to do what I can to make things better for combat casualties. Yeah. And that's really kind of, I think, where my passion, obviously, where's my passion lies. So, but yeah, that's how I go about things. Just be who you are, Trauma Daddy. I've only been fired a few times. (laughs) And only earned it every single time. (laughs) All right. Well, it's been a pleasure, Uh, my friend. Yeah. Yeah, it's been awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Absolutely.